Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Love Rugby League podcast. Bringing you the latest rugby league news, talking points, and exclusive interviews. Listen as fellow fans and experts discuss the burning issues in the game and share their bold predictions. We're out every Wednesday to look ahead to your rugby league weekend. Hello, welcome to the Love Rugby League podcast. I'm James Gordon. I'm joined for this episode by Josh McAllister. We're going to reflect on a fairly eventful first week of Super League fixtures. We've got the good, the bad and the ugly. And then George Riley is in for the first of his big interviews with Kyle Amor um, in this week's podcast. So Super League got underway. Josh, what were your thoughts from, from the week? And maybe should we start with the Channel 4 coverage first and foremost and, and what you made of all that? Yeah, great coverage. Great to see it on um, free-to-air television. Uh, I think the coverage was great, commentary was great. Kyle Amor was actually uh, commentating on that game as well. Sam Tompkins was pitch side as well. Uh, I thought everything about it was great, and the game delivered as well. You know, last-minute dramatic. I think it was the. I think there was six minutes to go when uh, when Warwick scored that try. So uh, to have the product on the pitch match everything off the pitch, I thought it was. Uh, a really good advert for rugby league on its on its first uh, showing. And there's another game this Saturday, Hull against St. Helens is on on Channel Four. I suppose the Warrington, the Leeds Warrington game, probably um, the main source of talking points from from the opening round. Of course, it was the Channel Four game, like we discussed. But some of the decisions that were made in that game, you know, I'm thinking James Bentley's red card um, and some of the disciplinary that's happened off the back of that has been the main talking points. Um, I was gonna, I was gonna say Channel Four coverage is the good this week. Um, the ugly is potentially this situation around the bands and um, and stuff like that. Bentley got sent off. He then appealed. He's got an extra match. Warrington appealed um, a charge on Alpha Holmes. That they got added another game onto that for a frivolous appeal. There was countless um, sightings from the disciplinary panel. I think seven players got banned in in total. There's obviously a new interpretation of of the rules, or a new bit of a clamp down, if you like, on um, on higher tackles and contact with with the head. 
you know, obviously you, you played you, you play amateur Josh, and I'd be interested to know what your interpretation of it is. But is there a little bit of concern that this overzealous approach to the disciplinary is going to dilute the game a little bit? Well, I, I don't know about that, but it's not it's not new to the game, is it? Don't tackle the head. You've got ninety percent of the body where you can tackle. All you've got to do is tackle lower. Don't don't hit someone in the head. Toby Smith said yesterday in his um, pre-match press conference that he's welcomed the decisions. All the coaches had a meeting before the season, so it's not new to them. They've had all pre-season to practice these lower tackles, and I'm not saying they have to go around the thighs and stuff like that, but just don't hit the head. That's all it is at the end of the day. No high tackles, and then. Maybe Bentley was a bit hard by. There was an explanation about closed fist, and some people have posted that on social media, and there is no closed fist there. But at the end of the day, just don't tackle someone's head. Tony yeah. Smith says it's about safety. In the amateur, he wants kids to play get this game. He doesn't. He said he, he was afraid that there'd be no one left to play the game in terms of people getting sued and people being put off the game. So, you know, it's, as I say, it's not. It's not exactly new, is it? Yeah, I mean, I suppose the politics element has to be taken into consideration as well. Of course, there was that big legal. Um, challenge from some former players last year to the RFL. So the RFL have clearly got to be seen to be clamping down significantly on on this concussion and and the risk to the head and, and the player welfare. I guess for for me, it'll be interesting to see whether the punishments actually actually do start stopping it from happening. I guess the reason why the punishments are in place is because they're hoping that players. Stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then at the same time, I'm looking at Oliver Holmes's instant, for instance. Is that him? He's not deliberately tackling him like that. Is it just that he's he's tired and he's almost accidentally? You know, I'm not saying you know Oliver Holmes clearly hasn't gone out deliberately to do that. And I suppose my concern is if you're a forward and you're tired in a match and and you just you know a bit of a lit, you know you get caught maybe wrong footed or you're a bit lazy in the tackle or or whatever and and you're you end up making contact with a player in a in the wrong place. You then expect you know you then sit in two or three games on the sideline, and I think that's the area for me. And you know, I don't know what you make of that. Yeah, then it's up to the coaches in it for fitness. Uh, Tony Smith again mentioned it yesterday that players, his Albert Vetti just been banned. But obviously, it wasn't a high tackle, but it was a, a wrong tackle. And he said, look, we need to get that out of the game. And then eventually, when players get tired, that might happen. So it's up up to the coaches, up to the players possibly to get get fitter and maybe decide. Look, you need to come off five minutes earlier, otherwise. You can have a high shot, and that's you for four games. So I think it's just about being a little bit, a little bit smarter around the game. As you say, high tackles aren't exactly new, new It's You've always had a bad, just, just avoid the head. But it's easier said than done, I guess. Yeah. So Warrington won that match against Leeds, and I, you know, again, we'll go back to that match. I know we talked a lot about it, but I suppose another example of this situation with the punishments is Bentley was sent off pretty early doors. Leeds had to play with a man less for the majority of the match. I mean, they had two men less at one point as well, didn't they, for a little while. Is it going to have a massive... It, it, and there's no doubt in that having 12 men for long periods of the game is a massive disadvantage. And is there a concern that if we see more red cards, there's a free red cards across the opening weekend, you know, the more red cards and the more yellow cards we see, the more are we going to see more lopsided matches? Like, the leeds Warrington one wasn't lopsided, but you could almost see it coming in with Warrington where they just about managed to keep in touching distance. And you sort of felt that if Warrington could get in the last 15 minutes in touching distance, that... Leeds would get fatigued because they'd be in playing with 12. And is that a concern as well, that games are going to be skewed by having players off the field for a long time? Yeah, it could happen, couldn't it? Some teams could run away with it. If they're 13 versus 12 for a long period of time, some some teams could run away with it. As you say, we didn't see, we didn't quite see Warrington do that. But that, that is a risk. But again, it's part of the sport. It's part of, you know, they're full-time training. They're training five times, times a week for a game. 
so it's all part of the training and you know they've just had the pre-season so it's all part of the game now so as well as that win for Warrington, there was a win for St Helens over Catalan on the opening night. That was a repeat of the grand final, and that was a, a, a another match that had some talking points. Dylan Napper was sent off, and he's had a four-match ban um, for that. But there was a big talking point at the very start of that game, the very first tackle where Gil Dudson struck out after he copped a high one, didn't he, on the very first tackle. He struck out and was simbined, and he's been handed a three-match ban for that. Um and I guess another example, I didn't think Catalan did too badly for the first half hour or so. And again, maybe they were tiring in the second half because of that period they played, they, they spent with 12 men when Dudson was off earlier in the game. But the thing with Dudson, he had a bit of a cut under his eye, didn't he? It was almost like a... a he almost gi- looked like the victim to me. Yeah, I thought he's yeah. been tackled out. He came away with a, with a cut under his eye. And then, I mean, I've not seen the description. Why does it say he's... he's it's because he struck out, didn't he? He struck out I don't with think the punches were thrown, were they? Uh, well, I, I I don't know, but I, I think Maybe you know that's one that I do feel a bit sorry for because he say he came out looking a bit like the victim. He's been tackled out. He's come away with a cut under his uh, under his eye for the rest of the game. So yeah, I mean the disciplinary. It's a shame that we're talking about the disciplinary, but that's it. I mean the other concern is you don't want players to be out. You know, look at Bentley's basically missed. He missed pretty much the whole match anyway. He's going to miss the next four matches. He's missed. You know what's that fifth of the season near enough, you know straight away. Um, but like I say, maybe it'll it'll all straighten out over the upcoming rounds. There was also wins on the opening weekend for Hull FC, who beat who won away at Wakefield. Uh, Wigan, who won away pretty impressively away at Hull KR under Matt, in Matt Peach's first game, and then Salford probably arguably the shock of the round as they beat. Casford, I know we copped a lot of flack from Casford fans for our predictions um, in the week before, and, and I mean, uh, maybe they all are being put back in the box a little bit because Salford, they certainly wouldn't have expected Salford to turn them over. No, I, I put Salford, I think, at 10 for my predictions, and I think I've done a bit bit hard by to them. Um, I think they'll have a good year, actually, under poor Ali. Uh, I, just, I just didn't know where else to put them in the table, to be honest with you, but I do think they've got that quality in there. Shame for Casford, they had a sellout crowd, 10,500, and everybody wants to see a win inside, so... Some might be put off from that defeat, but you know it's the first game early round, uh, early uh, early days under a new coach. You got I think something like six new players played in the game, so you know it's early days for them. So there's, there's it's a long season, isn't it? But great for Salford fans. And then the the final match was a bit of a disappointing one. Toulouse fourteen, Huddersfield forty two. It's not disappointing if you're a Huddersfield fan because that's a solid start. Toulouse started the game pretty well and led. There was a moment late in the first half where they failed to find touch with a penalty, and I, I feel like that maybe swung the pendulum against them. But you know, we were concerned about Toulouse before this all happened with Corella and Ford, um, and certainly you've got to be concerned for them now unless they can find some bodies. The Corella situation, by the sounds of it, he made himself available to play, and the coach isn't having it. That's me bad for this week. I think me good. I'm going Channel Four. The bad is that situation around Mark Corella, and the ugly is the uh, the disciplinary. It's a shame around Mark Rell because he's been yeah. at Toulouse for a very long time, hasn't he? Uh, you was at the the pre-season press, wasn't you? And I think their head coach said yeah. that he wasn't expecting him to play at all. Then he comes out with this Instagram post, I think it was, that he wants to play. So And it's but, difficult for the coach because I guess he wants to maintain a certain standard. And, yeah, if the, if the rules are the rules and he's sort of not going with the rules, then as a coach, he might, he's, he's put in a difficult place because he's thinking he's one of my best players, but... What does it say to the rest of the team if I let him slide? Yeah, with, with whatever he's, whatever the rules are, or whatever he's done wrong. I mean, we don't know exactly, but you can have a guess, can't you? Yeah, you know, I like to say it's very difficult, and you know, clearly they're having trouble recruiting 
elsewhere as well. And it'll be interesting. They've got Salford away this week to lose. It'll be very interesting to see how they adapt to that because, you know, it's away from home. They're actually quite well-versed playing away from home because, of course, they played away all of last season. Um, so that's going to be very interesting to see how that pans out, whether, you know, were Huddersfield Huddus, were just in a in good nick or or is it a sign that Toulouse aren't going to be very competitive we'll have to wait and see there was some challenge cut last weekend there was wins for Doncaster Rochdale Hunslet Club Parkside beat London Scholars a bit of a shock result there and Royal Navy beat York Acorn so they're all through to the next round uh, Hunslet also beat Siddle and North Wales Crusaders won away at Swinton so those six teams go through to <coughs> the fourth round uh, where they're joined by the 14 championship teams and that'll be played. Those games will be played in just over a week. Yeah, yeah, end of Feb. There is a TV game. Lee versus Witness is going to be on Premier Sports on the Monday night. Uh, I um, saw a bit of controversy on that. You'll obviously know what they meant, but I don't think fans were particularly happy with that, would they? Um, it's not a far journey. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Lee and Witness would. I mean, Lee Witness biggest tie of the round. It, you know, at a weekend, it probably would have attracted a, a much better crowd. Um, I think it's partly an issue because Widnes are on Monday night the next three weeks I think if it was a Monday night in isolation I think it's more that people were kicking off because Widnes have got Dewsbury on Monday this week Lee the following week and then Barrow the following week after that so I think it's just more the fact that Widnes have now got basically three weekends where they've not got a game because they're on Mondays um, It would be interesting to hear tennisers because if you was let's say Derek Bowman at Lee Bradford usually be <coughs> a big following so I wonder if that was maybe half because it was a Monday then there's his tickets out. I'm not sure how yeah. logistics are around Premier Sports if they're getting any money I know BBC don't pay any of the clubs anything when they're on Challenge Cup You would imagine put away fans from going I mean I, I think it's it's fairly goes without saying that if you're on TV less people are going to attend but then I suppose that's up to the clubs to to market it, it didn't seem to affect Featherstone too much when Featherstone Lee was on in the True. opening round. You know there was a good crowd at Featherstone. Even York the week before there was a, you know there was a good good crowd there. So, you know I think people have always got excuses as to why they're not going to games. Um, you know it is what it is. The the league need you know rugby league always talks about wanting more coverage and you know the people that are moaning are probably the same people who probably quite enjoy watching a Monday night game on the telly. So it's like well if there's going to be a Monday night game on the telly, someone's got to play in it. So. <clears throat> we'll look forward to that at the end of the month. Um, championship, there was wins for Featherstone, Barrow, York, Dewsbury with a, a bit of a surprise win over Sheffield after Sheffield's win over Bradford. Witness beat Halifax 9-8 and then Whitehaven beat London Broncos 8-0. London Broncos haven't scored a point in the last two games uh, and our, my pre-season prediction that they'd struggle looks like coming to fruition already. Witness, Barrow, Featherstone have won all three of their matches so far. I'd like to say that Barrow are my one team to watch in our predictions and I think they've proven that so far Jared Samet in the halves I think they've recruited quite well I think they're going under the radar which might suit them poor Prairie side I think they'll do well this year I think they might even make the playoffs at, at this rate mm, they keep going the way they're going I think not many people are talking about Barrow are they because you know, like I said they've gone under the radar but they have had a you know a fairly they've played Newcastle Sheffield and Whitehaven the first three games so they've not necessarily come up against any of the, the big sides as yet but then at the same time you, you know, you, you still need to. You can only beat the teams that you're playing. Um, well, beating the Thunder's a positive because obviously they're full time. Mm. Um, so uh, they'll see that as a positive. Thunder, will, Thunder would have gone into the season thinking they were one of the bigger clubs, full time team, a lot, a lot of experienced players, a lot of fresh players, new players. Uh, they signed from abroad, so um, yeah, I think Barrow. I think that was a pretty impressive win. I know you say that it wasn't three massive teams, but I'd say I'd consider that Newcastle are. A, a roundabout up there at least should be because of the full time situation. Well, I mean, I think when you look at Barrow compared to Workington, say you know Workington have had a massive 
you know they've had a tough start to the season and you know lost all three so um i'm sure bar will be happy with that they're they're um they'll see how they go on this week they've got a bit of a tougher test this week they're away at odds against bradford so um we'll just look ahead to the before we go into before george catches up with carl amor um the sky game on thursday this week is warrington against cass as daryl powell's first game in charge of warrington is against his former team and a bit of a strange one because Castleford will obviously have to come with a bit of something to prove after that first defeat of the season against Salford. But Warrington weren't great against Leeds, so maybe they'll also have something to prove, even though they got the result. Just, they'll have something to approve. I think uh, Warren's, <coughs> Warren's pack got bullied a bit. I think a lot of the talk about Warren this year was the pack's not massive. Uh, I think they got bullied by Leeds a little bit. And then Castleford will come and they've got a pretty, pretty big pack. Uh, they've signed a few George Ball, they've got Kenny Edwards in this back row. Um, so I think it might be a battle of who has the better forwards on the day. And then Wigan-Leeds is an interesting one on Friday because Leeds, I think, look decent. Um, they'll be disappointed that they lost. Wigan looked pretty good under under Matty Pete. I mean, that try they scored off the back of the scrum, we, don't, we haven't seen any tries off back of scrums for ages because there's not been scrums, of course. But that was a lovely bit of a move from Wigan against Hull KR. Um, and that might be a good... It's actually quite a good, I mean, a good game to watch on Friday night, don't it? but it'll be a nice game for both of those sides to see where they're at because Wigan will think, well, if we can turn Leeds over at home, how many teams are going to finish above Leeds? And then Leeds might think the same about, about Wigan in many ways. And, of course, Leeds beat Wigan in the playoffs last year, so it is a good test for Wigan to see where they're at now under a new coach. I think Leeds will think they'll welcome back Blake Austin. I think they might be without a few players, Bentley. I'm not, is, is Brad Dwyer, did he get a ban as well? I think they'll be missing a couple of players, um, Leeds, but you say... I think the two, if you, the, those two opening games probably the two games of the weekend. Yeah, so they're the two Sky games. Then Hull FC against St. Helens on Channel 4 at Saturday at half 12. Huddersfield play Hull KR on Saturday as well. There's also Catlam-Wakefield, which will be on Sky, I think, as well. Um, there's two championship games on Saturday. Newcastle-Whitehaven, Featherston-London. And then on Sunday, Salford play to lose, as we mentioned earlier. Workington take on Halifax. Batley hosts Sheffield. Bradford, as we mentioned earlier, they host Barrow. And then York welcome Lee. And then the Monday night game in Championship this week is Dewsbury against Widnes. Um, Are you going? I'll be there, Josh. I think I'm on commentary duty, actually. Um, it's going to be another interesting weekend, but it's good. This, the last few days has been overshadowed a little bit by the disciplinary, I guess. But good to get everything now underway with Super League Championship. League One gets underway in a few weeks' time. Good for everything to get underway. Crowds seem to be fairly encouraging. It's good to have a lot of discussion points around the TV games. You know, there's lots of people talking about pundits and the coverage on Premier, on on Sky. Um, you know, the highlights, the you know, the streaming, all that sort of stuff's going on. So it still feels like there's quite a positive. You know, it's been a real positive opening couple of weeks. Yep. Uh... Definitely, if rugby league's back. Everyone's happy for that. Uh, us, especially in the office, we're happy rugby league's back. Uh, League One, couple of weeks away. Yeah, Challenge Cup. As you say, all the coverage, BBC, the Sportsman, Premier Sports, Channel Four. It's all looking good. Obviously, you mentioned the disciplinary. That's took a bit of the limelight away, or at least the positivity away. But it's all part of the game. Uh, that's still getting coverage. So you know, uh, that's good coverage. Obviously, we've had a, a little bit of. Um, Coverage in ITV as well to do with the doping, Jamie Acton oh, yeah. and Ollie Wilkes. We'll just mention that quickly. That obviously is, maybe uh, that should have been me ugly for this week. Yeah, it's, Josh, it's, it's not fantastic, is it? Yeah, I don't know about the timing, but obviously they just want to come out clean. Maybe it was on their conscience. It's a weird timing, but I mean, I seen I seen some tweets about um, you know obviously Paul Cullen said it many years ago that there was a problem with the doping, but wouldn't name names, and it's very. It's very easy to say, oh, there's loads of players and clubs at it without naming names. And I know people won't name names for obvious reasons, but it's very 
you know, you can't come out and say rugby league's got a doping problem and then not back it up, I don't think. Oliver Wilkes was a, you know, a player I had admiration for. I thought he was a real tough, he was a real tough forward and, you know, ran at him well, tackled well. You know, he was never an elite forward by any stretch of the imagination, but he was certainly the sort of player that you'd want in your team. And I can sort of empathise with some of the things he said, um, but I'm just not massive on players who've, had a career in rugby league who are then almost trying to bring it down after it you know it, it, why are you trying to drag its name through the mud now when you were when you were more than happy to take the money when you were a player and more than happy to you know to to dope when 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 you had it and it's the same with the concussion you know what the concussion thing i understand that it may well have impacted on some players but it's just a very like it's the compensation culture, isn't it? Like, what are they hoping to achieve? You know, do they want money? Rugby league's not got any money. You're just dragging the sport down. It's not going to change the fact that 20, 30 years ago you were playing and you got head tackled because nobody knew. You know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. No one knew those, you know, 30 years ago what the impact were, and it's just that technology's moved on since that. You know, it's studied a bit more. So I think. It's disappointing to see stuff like that. It's on the back pages of the papers as well, which is another, you know, like I say, it was on ITV News, and you know, you you think about how how little coverage rugby league gets, and then as soon as something like this comes in, it's uh, it's everywhere. Well, that's it. We've gone from such a positive Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then the disciplinary Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then this has come out on ITV. It's um, yeah. rugby league has ever been covered so much. Yeah, that's it. Well. We'll, we'll revert back to the positive now. So one of the uh, positives has been the TV coverage over the opening few rounds of the season. And one of the men involved in that is St. Helens prop Kyle Amor. And he caught up with George Riley for the first big interview of the season in the Love Rugby League podcast. Keep up with all things Rugby League 24-7. Head on over to loverugbyleague.com. Welcome to The Big Interview, a weekly look at life and league with one of the sport's big names. I'm George Riley, and our guest in episode one is a multiple grand final winner, a Challenge Cup final try scorer as well, a reigning Super League champion, and he signed her up and running with an opening round win against the Catalan Dragons. Kyle Amor, great to see you. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, George. Uh, thanks, for, uh, thanks for inviting me on, mate. Looking forward to it. And you'll be fresh as a daisy, having been 18th man for that. No, I don't know. We got a flog in this morning, so uh, yeah. No, one of the one of the joys, of course, if you don't if you don't feature in the seventeen, is uh, is well, I say one of the joys. It's not really a joy as such. Is uh, is obviously getting getting flogged in the morning before the lads come in for the review. But having said that, um, you know, it was a good session this morning, and you know, all the lads were back in, and as you can imagine, George, everybody was was super happy, upbeat, and uh, and I, th- I thought the lads were fantastic last night. I really enjoyed the the game. What was your take from the sidelines of uh, of how Saints have started the season? Oh, brilliantly, mate! Look, I, I I was I was never under any doubt that that from what I've seen with my own eyes uh, in the preseason, knowing the the work that we put in, um, you know, the camaraderie that we've built with all these new signings that we've had, uh, I was I was again I was I was I was always confident that that we get a we get a good a good show at home. Uh, you know, we got told in the week there was a large crowd coming um, and, you know, hopefully everybody could see that last night. I think there was around about 14,000 there. So, uh, you know, a fantastic day for the club. And uh, yeah, I just, I just thought the game in, in general, uh, we knew that Catalan were going to come with a, with a real physical mindset and, and, uh, you know, that opening 10 minutes, certainly the fireworks were all there. 
uh, for everyone to see. Uh, but then after that, I just thought that for the rest of the game, we were just so professional, so clinical. Um, and we just, I, I believe we just showed what a classy outfit we actually are. It, it struck me, uh, like in line with what you're saying there, it was almost like the more Catalan threw at you, the more you enjoyed it because you just knew you had that extra gear. It's like, keep throwing this at us because we will beat you. Yeah. We'll show you what no, we've got. Definitely. Absolutely. You know, I think I think we've shown that over a number of years now that, you know, given the, you know, obviously we're on the back of the three-peat here now and, and I think each and every year we've had to win it in a different fashion, whether that be, you know, around COVID or, you know, the destruction that had, we managed to get over top of that obstacle and win that. So I just think that the little lessons that we've had along the way have really made this group robust and I think obviously each and every week and each and every season, teams are finding a way to... Uh, try and unpick our defence and I think every time we answer to it and I think Catalan just came with a real mindset yesterday of perhaps you know that physical uh, that physical side given that some of the personnel they've signed and um, and just really try to disrupt the game uh, which again it, when it's done right there's nothing wrong with that and uh, but like I say I just thought that we you know, we matched that, we weathered the storm and then when the right time to strike, we hit back and we hit back well and truly hard, didn't we? You know, physically and and just just with skill and, and, and pure individual brilliance for some. Is there, is there still a place in the game for, for how Catalan play? I, I mean, they came so close to beating you in the grand final last year and they come with this physical yeah. approach. When they don't quite get it right, it kind of goes from explosion, if you like, to implosion. And they were their own worst yeah. enemies. I mean, Dylan Napper was the best example. What was going on in his head? I, you know, I have no idea. It, it, it's the still the way the game is set up now and the way the rules and things have changed. Can you still play like that? Well, clearly from the evidence last night and the evidence that we've seen in the uh, in the early rounds, uh, not the early rounds, sorry, the pre-season fixtures, mm. you know, you, you're getting the reports through off the RFL through Twitter or, what, or whatever it is and, and more and more people are being banned. And I, I believe that's something that's going to that's gonna happen more and more. Um, it's designed to change player behaviour. And in order to do that, there has to be consequences and there has to be sanctions put in place. And I think, you know, player player safety is paramount, given the, the research that's gone into concussion that's been, you know, well publicised throughout the media over the last couple of months. Um, given that and... You, you know all the all the sort of implications that come with concussion as well. That that these rules are put in place purely to protect players. And uh, you know, gone are the days where you know perhaps we would you know we all used to love a big a, a big shoulder charge and a big contact. It was what got people out of the seats. It what got people talking about the in pubs after the game or just you know through through family and conversations. But those those days are going now. So there's a fine line between being that physical but getting it right and you know when it goes wrong like it did last night you know the risk and reward well it, you know you've got to balance that up and and uh, and and Dylan Napper will he clearly got it all wrong do you think that's a shame in a way like you say we all that's the reason a lot of us get into league we love that every team has an enforcer I grew up with with Barry McDermott and those battles with Stuart yeah. Field and where you knew pretty much if Leeds were playing Bradford they were both going to get sent off you know, Adrian, Adrian Morley did it and he hates talking about that, that famous sending off and Dylan Napper clearly wanted to be the enforcer last night. It, if, if, that, if that role of the enforcer is, is dying from league, is, is, is that a bit of a shame? Or is there still still place maybe? Look, I, I believe so. I believe so. But we all thought that when the shoulder charge got took out the game and, and you know, that was something that 
people used to love seeing. Uh, and this is just another way that, like it or not, you know, society and and the game itself is evolving now, and 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 we have to move forward with that. I mean, without going too too deep and too sort of philosophical, you know, you you, you think back two thousand years to the Colosseum, and that was the first entertainment. And people were getting slaughtered and murdered and that in there, and you know, we've managed to adjust accordingly, haven't we? You know, to where we are to today. You know, where everybody thought that that was how sport should be seen and played, and then over time, we've got to a stage where. A lot, as as much of the brutality now is going out the game, and it's purely about you know athletes uh, making decisions at speed, under fatigue, and getting it right more often than not. The sides that do that, I believe, are the ones that that go on and and be successful. Uh, just one more question from the first match: The Saints need to work out who their goal kicker is. Well, that's what I was doing after after training today. So I might as well have a crack. Nobody else <laughs> yeah, could do it. Yeah. You were. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, mate. Look, you know, obviously, Lachlan Coop, fantastic goal kicker. Wonderful succession rate of doing that. And, um, you know, we've now handed that baton over to Lewis Dodd. Um, look, Doddy, he's a fantastic player. We can see that. The whole game, the whole rugby league world can see that. Um, but, you know, obviously, it was a big, big night. Uh Difficult conversions, all of them you would agree with, you know, from the sideline. Um, big, big crowd. Have cameras are on you. A little bit added pressure. You know, the kid just needs to sort of just grow into that. You know, he's probably only kicked for Saints in academy games, really. I don't think he's kicked too many at first team level with Coop being there. And it's just a, a further development of his of himself, really. So, um, you know, let's not let's not too be too critical of the kid, given how where the conversions were at and the magnitude of that game. Uh, let's spend a, a few minutes talking about you. I know you you don't like talking about yourself too much, but we're going to do it anyway. Um, Kyle Amor, kind of past, present, future. In terms of the now, yeah. uh, you were 18th man last night. Uh, you had yeah. that very frustrating grand final last time out yeah. where you were, you were kitted up on the bench and you, and, you, and you never got on. Where are you as a, as a player? Where do you fit into this Saints squad and where are you career-wise? Um, in terms of me, in, the, in terms of me as the Saints player, uh, I'm the player I've always tried to be. You know, I know my limitations. I know what I can do, um, and and I know what I bring both on the field and off the field as well. So, um, you know, I just continue to 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 get my head down, keep working hard, um, and just wait for the opportunity. Now, um, you know, probably in the past there was less of a waiting time for that and uh, you know obviously whether I'd be on starting games or on the bench or you know I, I certainly had a bit more of a role on the field uh, but this year look I've just got to make sure that if I'm not in the team then then I'm trying to lead the so you know the reserve side to make sure that we attack the best we can against our against our first team if you like and and because ultimately that's what's got to improve us all to to get another grand final if it, if it is meant to be, you know, how you how you train and those little habits that you practice week in, week out, they transfer onto the field for for everybody involved in the club, really. So, um, you know, that that's where I'm at. I'm still ambitious. I still have goals that, that, that I set myself every year. And they, you know, they, they are changing those goals. I'm not going to lie because I'm always very realistic with, with where I'm at. And uh, yeah, no, I just I just look forward to keep working hard, keep focused, and and who knows, you know what I mean. Uh, I, I I still believe in myself. I still believe that I can contribute to this side. Otherwise, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have signed. I'd have I'd have looked to go on down a different path. And uh, you know, thankfully the club 
they kind of recognised and were on the same wavelength as myself. And and uh, yeah, here I am. Uh, so is it? I mean, what's your situation? Is this your are you on a one year deal? Is this your last year at Saints? Remind yeah, me. Yeah, this will be my last. This will be my last year. Right. Um, Probably, probably my last year playing full time as well. I think. Oh, really? Because uh, last time I spoke yeah, to you, that. you were talking about you were talking about a year or so in the championship. Last time I spoke to you. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's where I meant full time. You know, I, right, I, okay. I probably to drop down and. Right. And, so you still want to, you still want, you still want to do that after Saints? Well, I, still, I still want to continue to play. Absolutely. You know, my body feels good. Touch wood. I don't really get injured. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm robust. I'm fit. Um, you know, and I still believe that. Look, like we like we said off before we started this recording that the the reality is I'm I'm the next cab off the rank in arguably one of the most successful sides in the Super League history. So um and I've been largely a part of that success as well. So um you know I'm not gonna sit here and do myself a disjustice, but at the same time I'm not gonna blow my own trumpet either. So um look I'm just I'm really happy where I'm at. I'm happy with my you know my family's life, my my work life, everything's going really well at the minute. Uh, you're a proud Cumbrian. Was it was it always going to be rugby league for you as a as a vocation, or did it just kind of happen? No, not at all, George. You know, I was far from uh, far from that. You know, I never even thought about playing rugby league as such. And uh, you know, I didn't I didn't sign professional until I was 21 year old uh, at my uh, at my hometown club, Whitehaven. I was I was just happy, sort of plugging away with my amateur mates and. Didn't really take to the game properly till I was about 16. I played maybe one year under nines, one year under 11s, and then just didn't bother. Um, it was only when I started my job in a factory that I went back to my amateur club and, and started playing and playing with it. The one thing that gripped me and captured me, George, was playing with men. I, all, I, I instantly, me and my mates, we went from being young lads into this culture with, with, with a load of blokes where we'd all train, play, and have a beer together after it. And, um, you know, that's one thing that really sort of uh, it gripped and excited me that, that the fact that I was, you know, with all these different blokes who, who, were, who were hilarious, some of them, and, you know, all just different characters. And that's what the beauty of being in a team is. It's just, you know, um, it, it is just that. And even just the, the games that me and you have done in the past, uh, you know, the, the, the amateur stuff in the, in the yeah. Challenge Cup, there's, when you watch it, there's it, it's rugby league and it's most beautiful, pure form, it. isn't it? Absolutely love it. That, that yeah. These lads are all local lads. They're all good mates. They work together or work in the same town, and then at the end of the at the end of it, they look forward so so much to coming and playing our game for no money and just just loving it and then loving the weekend together. And especially if you get a win, it's just there's something really that as a professional, you you almost forget about that and you forget that that's why you actually play the game, whether it's through the enjoyment and the uh, and the happiness of a kid picking up a ball or whether you're someone like myself who came into it later on and, and it's purely just fun, you know. Uh, I'm not saying playing now is not fun, <laughs> but once you, once you sign a professional contract, you almost sign the right away for it to be, as fun as it once was, you know what I mean? That it, It's a job. It pays your mortgage. It pays your family. It pays, do, do you know what I mean? It, it becomes a different kind of pressure and a different kind of fun as well. And given what you've just so, so wonderfully and eloquently described, do, do you ever find yourself thinking, blimey, and looking back at what you have achieved, you know, the multiple grand final wins. And I remember asking you about the frustration of not getting off the bench in the grand final last year and how humble you were. You were saying, look, 
I, sc- I scored the last try at Wembley in the, in the Challenge Cup final win. Anything from now on is a bonus. What you've achieved, you've played in World Cups. You know, yeah. if you, you kind of juxtapose that against what you've just outlined, playing at a very grassroots level, you've, you know, you've given a lot and got a lot back from this sport. Oh, absolutely. No, the sport's given me, it's given me so, so much um, on and off the field. Uh, but like you said there, George, you know, I remember at the time scoring that try at Wembley and just a whole wave of emotion hit me. And if, and if it could have, and again, this sounds a bit, if it, if it was all to end my career the day after that, I could have walked away a happy man. Honestly, I, I really, really could have. And, you know that was the that was the one piece of the puzzle that was missing that Challenge Cup final win, uh, but to score there as well, I had my family in the crowd, uh, I had my mates down from Cumbria. It was just, uh, you know, that's something that's probably one of my my greatest memories throughout throughout my time uh, playing. And and like I say, from a lad from a lad late into the game, and a lad you know who. who you know, done his apprenticeship in a factory a couple of hours, a couple of years on 12-hour night shifts who used to watch in the amateur club the Good Friday games with a beer in his hand at 12 o'clock with all the older fellas, just not even not watching the game and not even believing or thinking. It wasn't even in my mind that, that so fast forward the clock a few years later that I'd have my hands on so much silverware for that wonderful club. And yeah, it's crazy. And even sort of having these conversations now and, and, and speaking about it, it uh, it fills me with immense immense pride and immense joy, George. Yeah. What what was the uh, what was the factory you were working in? What were you doing? Can you remember? I was making uh, it's <laughs> I was making crisp packets. <laughs> Funny or not? Yeah. yeah. Making the package. Packets. Oh. Yeah, yeah. The packet people always used to say, "Oh, did you, uh, you, oh, did you get to eat loads of crisps?" Well, no, they get made in a different place. We just make all the all the walkers in there. Uh, Lays the call abroad as well, aren't they? So yeah, all of them just just a factory, just twenty four hours a day, knocking them out. So, so you you were the time, you were the original Gary Lineker. <laughs> I was the original. No, I'm not going to say I was the original. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not, I'm not Gary Lineker. <laughs> no, uh, certainly not financially. I wouldn't have thought. Um, which, which brings me on to kind of full circle where we are now. What's what's the plan? Yeah. You said last year at Saints, then you might go part-time if you can get a deal in the championship and you you talked about working studying so you know what 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 you're doing and what what's your vision yeah i mean i'm i'm into the final year of my degree now uh, and that's just again it's you know it, it's something that i will be really proud of when i get that finished as well and uh, no one in my what degree is it sorry PE uh, in sports science so right. Nobody in my immediate family that I'm aware of has a degree in the AMR household, so wow. I might be the first one in in, uh, in certainly our immediate family to get that. So that's uh, that that's something that that I'm really proud of. Uh, obviously, hopefully, when I get it uh, at the end uh, in May or June, whatever it is. Um, yeah, and then from there, I'm you know I'm hopefully uh, you know I've, I've got one or two options lined up uh, for next year for work and. Uh, Look, the biggest thing for about me, and the one of the biggest things that's probably hindered me as well off the field, and my wife will back this up, is just a constant worry about what's next. You know, um, what I next think anxiety? Work, yes, yes. I think I think having that um, having that background of, of working in a factory, and it was a good, it was a it was a bloody good job that I had, you know, and um, and to sort of leave that, I remember at the time. 
my daughter had just been born. Uh, I had to ask my wife to leave her job at Sellafield. She had a decent job there. And I had to take a maybe, I think it was a five grand pay cut to sign the first contract at Leeds. So as a household income, we'd lost one job and I took a pay cut all just off the off the gamble of me believing in that, you know, that, you know, I was finding my feet at Whitehaven. I was enjoying it. I was developing and, and, and putting in performances that were obviously got the likes of Leeds Rhinos and Huddersfield offering me contracts. And I kind of got the buzz about myself, really. And I wanted to, I wanted to challenge myself and get into Super League and, and uh, in fact, actually, I always remember what I was thinking. It was on a night shift. I got a phone call off Nathan Brown. And, uh, and I, was, I, was, <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to tell anyone on night shift that what had, what this car, I was dying to tell somebody, but it was about 10 o'clock at night. And I, I couldn't really, I didn't want to ring my wife because obviously our, our daughter would have been, you know, only a couple of weeks or a couple of week old, if that, maybe a couple of months. Uh, I didn't want to ring her in case, you know, just to call. I thought, I'll just tell her in the morning when I get in off nights. And uh, and he rung me and he was asking me questions like, how much do you wear, blah, blah, blah. And look, we really want to sign you. So I thought, right. And then my mind started wandering, just thinking while I sat there, just thinking, oh, what would it be like? I've got a lot to, I've got a lot to risk and reward again, that, that sort of balance and, I remember going into the canteen and you'd have to like, you'd put like 10 or 15 P in and you get, you know, those, one of those vending uh, coffee machines that you just, you know, plastic cups. And I remember I was sitting in the canteen having one of them and this old fella came in, he was about 50 year old and he put, he put his in and he, he, put, he slumped his head up against the vending machine. I was like, Oh, are you all right, man? And he was like, he turned around and he, <laughs> he said, I'd rather be dead than being here. Right. <laughs> and I was thought to myself, wow. I thought, is that me in 30 years time? just in this factory doing the same day in, day out. And I thought it was that moment. It was like a light bulb moment. I thought, yeah. do you know what? I've got to give this a crack here. Like, yeah. you know, sack it all. It doesn't matter. Let's just go and do it. Let's just go and take a risk and, and see what happens. And uh, yeah, I mean, just, just took, took that risk and, wow. and it's all, uh, it's all been good. So uh, yeah, no, it's yeah. mad how things turn out. It's an amazing story, mate. You're a very good storyteller as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, j just to end, I wanted to end a bit philosophically. You've you've been you've gone there quite early with your philosophy, but um, if if you were if you were talking to a young Kyle Amore, kind of now, yeah. what, what what would you be saying to him? Do it. Just take the risk. It's not risk unless you lose, is it? You know, um, just back yourself. I think back yourself, and because there's been times where I haven't backed myself fully. I've, I've, I've kind of perceived to people that I've backed myself, but um, I think I think that just comes, George, from having a family at a young age. You know, I was sort of 20, 20 year old when I had my daughter, and I just think that there's a lot of responsibility that gets put on you there, and 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 when you're the sort of the main breadwinner in all that. You have to get it right, you know. You, if especially look, everybody has their own story, you know. But to move my family away from, and we, and we were both young when we had our daughter, like, and 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 to move away from home, and you know, you got to remember, you don't leave Cumbria really when you're from there, or you didn't, you didn't sort of back then. It was like the Simpson Dome, you know. Once you were, <laughs> once you were in, you didn't really leave, and you know, uh, to move away and and to move to Leeds and and just have that real disconnect from our family, friends, and. And uh, you, you know it can be it can be a bit 
it can be a bit worrying and a bit daunting. And like I say, particularly when a lot of all that's resting on your shoulders, it can be hard. But, you know, thankfully, I've got a wonderful, amazing wife who's, who's so, so supportive. I do, you know, I owe her an awful lot for what she's done for me. And, um, you know, it's been a, an amazing journey of two wonderful kids out of it. And, you know, I've, I've been to go so, so many amazing places meet so many amazing people you know Papua New Guinea in the World Cup and Australia and you know all the coaches and players and and guys off the field yourself you know everybody else that that you meet that just you know everybody can you know the more people you meet I think the more better your version of you you get as well you know you can you can learn and, and, and disregard some of what you hear as well so um you know it's just been it's been fantastic so I, I would just say ju- just back it Go for it. If you if you're ever in doubt about something, life's for living, isn't it? You know, it's for experiences and and uh, you know, an old saying that I think I heard maybe Jamie Peacock. It might even be Richie Mavis say that that nothing ever grows in the comfort zone, and and, and I like that. You know, uh, I really do. I like to end these chats with a a love rugby league life lesson. Really, you, you've I mean you covered a lot of really nice things there, but. What just as a final thought has, has rugby league taught you that serves you well now in in the rest of your life in a more general sense? I just think that resilience, that resilience of um, of when things aren't going well or when things are going well, just to just to hold your nerve in a lot of stuff, you know. Just to again, you can only. <laughs> You can only do well if you're surrounded by good people, and that's you know professionally and and off the field as well, family life, friendships, you know, and you've just got to, um, yeah, I, I, I think you've just, I think it's given me a, a real resilience just to just to, uh, and again, I go back to that sort of just just backing yourself mentality. Um, I, I think it's just given me, a, it's given me wonderful lessons to pass on to my kids as well, and uh, you know, hopefully they don't need as many of that I've had to go through, but. Um, if they do, then you know I might be a good soundboard for them. So uh, yeah, just just the resilience of, of staying in it when it gets tough. I think. Carl, you've been a great guest. Uh, I really appreciate your time, mate. Cheers, mate. Pleasure's all mine. Uh, thank you very much, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Love Rugby League podcast. Know someone who shares our collective love for rugby league? Let them know about this podcast and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Eager for more rugby league news? Visit loverugbyleague.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.